The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do, like me taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Hey there, it's Gary Parish. It's Tuesday, October 27, 2020. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball Podcast where we sometimes discuss camel fighting and leaky back. Matt Norlander is here with me. And as previously noted, in addition to normal episodes of the podcast, we're also regularly recording short episodes on various prospects in the 2020 NBA draft. Today, we turn our attention to Precious Achua. He's a six foot nine forward who was born in Nigeria, moved to the United States when he was in eighth grade, played high school basketball in New York, played high school basketball in New Jersey, played high school basketball in Florida, became a five star prospect and McDonald's All-American. Then he enrolled at the University of Memphis. Precious Achua, he was a statistical monster for Penny Hardaway's Tigers, averaged 15.8 points, 10.8 rebounds and 30.4 minutes per game. Shot 49.3% from the field, 32.5% from three-point range after mostly playing center for the Tigers after James Wiseman, the projected starting center, quit the team the week before Christmas. I have Precious Achua going 11th to the San Antonio Spurs in my latest mock draft. Norlander has him going 13th to the New Orleans Pelicans. What's to like about Precious Achua as an NBA prospect? What are the concerns? We're going to discuss the former Memphis standout momentarily. But first, check this out. Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. So, Norlander, you handled the freshman watch weekly for CBS Sports. As a result, I know you're very familiar with what Precious Achua did in his one year of college. What do you make of Precious Achua as an NBA prospect? I think that he has... Um certainly a ceiling, but that doesn't mean he shouldn't be a lottery pick. And I have been uh, pleasantly surprised. He's not considered lottery across the board. Uh, I think that his legitimate range is probably 10 to 20 at this point. Um, But what he did 
was so impressive considering the circumstances he inherited. We can probably get into that. We have on previous podcasts when talking about Memphis and James Wiseman in general. In fact, we talked about it on the Wiseman pod too. But he thought he was going to have one role when he committed to Memphis. That changed with the Wiseman situation. And after Wiseman left, uh, he adapted yet again and have heard nothing but great things about who he is as a teammate. His production really does speak for itself. Now, he is similar to another prospect that, frankly, we're not going to dedicate a podcast episode to in Isaiah Stewart. To me, Isaiah Stewart and Precious Achua were the two freshmen last season in college basketball who on an every-game basis you could count on them to give, you know, 28 to 30 legitimate minutes, super reliable on the boards, extremely good defenders, great awareness near, near the rim and in the paint. And that has translated even into an era where, you know, general managers would prefer to have a guy who is 6'9", be much more able and willing to step out and, and shoot and defend ball screens and go two ways and, and be able to produce offense in a number of different ways than Achua that I think is capable of at this point. It's kind of refreshing that he was so consistently good that he is still considered like a lock top 20 prospect there. Um, I just don't see him being the kind of guy who isn't going to be a productive player. I'm not saying he'll be a for sure starter. I'm not saying that he'll ever make an all-star team. But what he has, like, barring him getting to the NBA, getting rich, getting paid, and then having his work ethic go out the window, like, he is going to be on an NBA roster for a decade. He's too good, too sturdy, too physical, too impressive in that regard to not to not make it happen. Yeah, great athlete, great body. Um, like I said, 6'9", 235. Standing reach is a little above 9 feet. Got a seven foot two wingspan, plays hard, can guard multiple positions. Like, you know, can, you know, he is strong enough to deal with fours and fives on the defensive end and quick enough laterally to switch onto ones and twos and threes. There was a moment, I believe at the end of the Houston game where he got switched on to Caleb Mills, who is the, you know, our CBS sports preseason AAC player of the year freshman last season in Houston, who like a, you know, a, 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 mostly anonymous prospect coming out of high school, like not a top 100 guy. And he was terrific, uh, you know, for one of the best teams in the country. Uh, Precious gets switched onto him, handles it, no problem. So he does, he does enough things well that he's going to be in the league and he's going to be a first round draft pick. I talked to uh, somebody who works for an Eastern conference team last week and they the subject of Precious Ajua came up, and and this person said, I could see him going anywhere from 10 to 25. Like, the, the range on him is pretty wide in a way that it's not for other bottom-half lottery guys like, uh, I don't know, Kyra Lewis or Aaron Neesmith or mm-hmm. Tyrese Halliburton. Like, the range on those guys is pretty, seemingly pretty small. Like, are they going to go six? or 11? Are they going to go 8 or 15? For Precious, it really could be, you know, when I was talking to this person, somewhere anywhere between 10 and 25. And what it comes down to is that we we know all the stuff he can do. Again, strong enough to guard forwards and fives, quick enough laterally to guard one, twos, and threes. He can guard in space. He plays hard, good motor, athlete, measures well, all that stuff. What it comes down to is can he be an asset on offense? period. Like, is he somebody who can create 
or at least make open three-pointers? Or is he just going to be a high-energy power forward who also plays small ball five? If he's the former, he's a lottery pick. He should go 10th or 11th or 12th. If he's the latter, which is just somebody who's a high-energy combo front court player, then he's probably not worth a, you know, the 10th pick or the 15th pick. And that's what you got to figure out. What is he going to be on the offensive end of the court? The other stuff I think translates pretty well and is easy to, to identify. What is he going to be on the offensive end? To me, if you're picking 10th, 15th, 20th, 25th, that's what you're trying to figure out if you're going to use the pick on Precious Chua. Memphis last year was a it was a 21-win team. Uh, it ranked fifth in defensive efficiency, according to Ken Palm, but it was actually the number one two-point percentage defensive team in college basketball. Opponents only made 40.7% of their shots from two-point range when they played the Tigers. Now, Memphis didn't play, you know, an unreal tough schedule, but, you know, they were an American Athletic Conference team, and they, and they did play the likes of, of Oregon, NC State, Tennessee, and the non-conference there. So they did have legitimate opponents. They played Georgia as well, of course. And Achua, um, the only real player who who played even, like, halfway decent minutes who was you know in the in the same size range as him is Isaiah Mori. So I bring that up to say like defensively Memphis, you know, it, it relied more on like Boogie Ellis, Lester Quinones who had his good moments on offense, Tyler Harris, Damian Baugh. These are all smaller players. A lot of what Memphis could do defensively was because of Achua and I think the reason why he is projected in that 10 to 20 range is because although his offensive numbers weren't amazing, you know, shot 51% from two-point range, he basically took like a little over 1-3 per game and made 32.5%. That's fine. He's just not that's not who he is and I don't think that's I don't think he's ever going to be that guy frankly. I don't think he's going to He be, he he thinks he is. Yeah, I mean, I listen, I could be wrong. I don't think that that is what he is going to eventually become there. There have been weirder players, and I say weirder in terms of like who they were when they got into the league and what they've grown and evolved into as NBA players. Like you wouldn't have never expected that to happen. Um, but I'm not I'm not sure. Now, maybe the buzz around him being a top 20 player is based in like, okay, we, we love these four things. And then you know what? If you're going to be the kind of guy where we can – depend on you we're gonna we're gonna enable you to take uh three threes a game at the nba level and we think that you're gonna be able to hit one of those threes and okay maybe that's that's something else there but defensively is why you're gonna take him because i just don't think that he had a ton of help there uh, you know dj jeffries a solid player but got hurt and is he's a wing like there was just not a lot around him and they were still so good defensively. That's not to discredit the rest of the roster, GP. You know Memphis as well as literally anyone, but if you watched them last season, to me, the the heart and soul of what they were from a defensive identity standpoint was absolutely a Chua, and that wasn't just his rebounding ability, but it was his block ability. I probably watched... Honestly, I probably watched Memphis play eight to ten times last season. I specifically remember watching them a couple times when I was in the studio for HQ, and... Like, Quinones is a lot of fun, um, but Achua was the dude that I was watching him for. Like, every single time, it all started with him. He was a top-five freshman unequivocally in college basketball last season. And so, if I had a top-20 pick, I'd use it on him. If I had a top-15 pick, I'd probably use it on him as well. But he's definitely going to be, like, who's got the need when he's still on the board at 11, 12, and 13. Um, in addition to the three-point percentage, I, I do think something worth pointing out is that he shot 59.9% from the free throw line on 187 attempts. That's not encouraging. Um, sometimes somebody who doesn't shoot a great percentage from three-point range, you can look at their 
uh, free throw percentage and go, okay, well, this person makes shots. So now we just got to figure out how to, you know, back it up a little bit. Like you free throw percentage is, is, is often a good indicator of whether somebody can become a, a good shooter, even if they're not established as a good three point shooter, uh, that number does not work in precious Achua's favor. Again, it doesn't mean that he can't, uh, become a, a better and, and reliable three-point shooter at the NBA level. But um, there's certainly reason to be skeptical. And, and I can just tell you some NBA franchises are skeptical. Some, you know, think that he is worth a bottom half lottery pick. Others think that, you know, I, I wouldn't take him in the lottery because he's just going to be a high, um, a, a, a high motor, um, you know, small ball five who is a liability on offense. And if that's what you think he's going to be, then, you know, he's probably closer to the 25th pick than the the 10th pick. But if, if you can ever figure out a way to make him an asset on offense, then you'll be glad you spent a top 15 pick on him. If you, if you did, I do think he deserves a lot of credit for adjusting his role in real time at Memphis. You know, I don't want to oversimplify it and say Precious Achua only came to Memphis to play with James Wiseman because all of these high-level recruitments are more complex than that. But among the reasons he came to Memphis was to play beside James Wiseman. And then, of course, Wiseman gets suspended. Then he quits the team. And next thing you know, Precious Achua is having to play the five because – there's nobody else to play it, at least nobody else good enough to play it uh, for a team that was trying to make the NCAA tournament. He did not want to play the five. He came to Memphis never thinking that he would. And then all of a sudden, you're the starting five. And I know from talking to people around the program, like he, he was not enthusiastic about that. He was worried that it would negatively affect his draft stock. But the truth is, I think it helped him. It it certainly helped him be more productive. Mm -hmm. And I think it helped his draft stock too, because it showed a, that he's willing to do what his coach needs him to do, but B it kept him from floating as much as he otherwise would have been floating. Um, You you know, he shot, if you've got James Wiseman in the middle and Memphis wants to play four out one in, then, then, then pressure is going to be floating a lot. He's not going to be grabbing all of those rebounds. He's not going to be getting all of those dunks. He would have been, I think, statistically worse and, you know, just from an eyeball perspective, worse playing with James Wiseman. Um, Even if it runs counter to to what maybe he thought in real time, him having to play the five – allowed him to display all of the things that is going to allow him to be a multimillionaire. And so he actually benefited from it, um, even if it wasn't what he wanted it to be. And even if he wasn't receptive to the idea initially, he eventually did come around. And to the point you made earlier, um, he was, by all accounts, a good teammate, um, just a a rock-solid young guy who, um, you know, his coaching staff liked him and and – and, and, you know, that, that's a good place to start, uh, or at least it's a, it's something to note when you are evaluating NBA prospects. The Wiseman, and this is my, kind of my last thought, and we can, uh, we can scoot out of here after however you want, but um, the Wiseman thing is just interesting in that, um, well, first of all, like, obviously Wiseman's going to potentially be the number one pick, and that for, for Memphis, that's going to be um, the first time that the school's going to have two picks in the same draft since trivia time. What oh, do you think? Oh, no. Take it. Uh, you. It's guessable, obviously, but guess the year and can you guess the players? 
Well, in 2008, there was Derrick Rose, yep. Chris Douglas Roberts. Yep. And, uh, and I, I think Joey Dorsey. Correct. So, but there's been a, but the season after that was the most recent. Who did, who were the two players? In 2009. Yep. Tyreek Evans. Yep. And literally, ugh, this is just so perfect for this podcast. Who would I be referring to? Last pick of the draft. Robert Dozier. Dozier for the 60th for the, pick. <laughs> Dozier for the championship. For the championship. No. Dozier for the championship. No. No. We're going to overtime. That's my favorite Jim Nance call. Dozier for the championship. (laughs) Exactly. Now, of all the Jim Nance calls, my favorite ever is Dozier for the championship. No. This podcast is the only podcast that gives appropriate credit and respect to that call. Think about how differently Robert Dozier's life would be if he made that shot. It's... Uh, if it was doors. Dozier for the championship, yeah, it's the greatest. It's the greatest shot in tournament history. It would be the greatest shot in tournament history. You would see Robert Dozier every March yep. on CBS, America's Most Watched Network, Network of Stars. And now, could do you even know where Robert Dozier is? Uh, is he? Uh, is he on the staff at Grambling State? I wish. I don't think so. Okay. I don't know. I have no idea where Robert Dozier is right, right. now. Um, weirdly enough, though, 09 and 08, although those were years where Memphis had multiple players go, it, they weren't in the first round. So Memphis is going to have two first-round picks. Precious Chua will go in the first round. So it will be the first year since 2006. And then that year, Rodney Carney went 16 and Sean Williams went 17. That's the last time Memphis had two first-round picks, uh, which is uh, not what you would have expected given the talent on the 08 and 09 teams. You would have thought maybe they would have had two first-rounders. That didn't happen. The point I was well, making – oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, you look back at that 2008 team, not to turn this into a uh, Memphis history podcast as opposed to a Precious Achua podcast, but you look back at the 2008 Final Four, and the perception at the time was that Memphis was loaded with all this talent. Yeah. The truth is, you know who was loaded with all the talent? Kansas. UCLA. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. But Kansas uh, as well. Kansas. Yeah. All, all, Memphis was the least, from an NBA perspective, right. Memphis was the least talented team at that Final Four. But when you watch but, it, they look loaded. Because like, we talked about this oh, back yeah. in the offseason. Like, when we watched Kansas again 12 years, or Memphis again 12 years later against Kansas, it was like, this team is fun as hell. Like, they looked it, it just didn't bear out at the NBA level. Right. It, the, the, well, they were all 22 and 23 and 24. I mean, that was a big part of it. It was 18-year-old, 19-year-old Derrick Rose. And, like, all those other guys, Dozier, um, Antonio Anderson, Joey Dorsey, uh, Chris Douglas Rock. They not all of them, but the majority of them like went to prep school for a year, and so they all came to college older than a typical college freshman. I've told the story before, but um, when when those guys first got there, so well before Derrick Rose, we were in New York. Memphis UCLA was playing and one of those, you know, Madison Square Garden events. And John Calipari was, you know, pre, you know, day before press conference, he was like, you know, I've just got all these freshmen, you know, we're going to rely on a lot on freshmen and freshmen, 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 freshmen. And then it was like, and now we'll go to Ben Howland for his opening comments. And Ben said, I just want you guys to realize like all John's freshmen are 21 years old. <laughs> you know, like I've got 17 year old freshmen. His freshmen are as old as my juniors. And so by the time those guys are juniors and seniors, they were older and it allowed, uh, it, it allowed, you know, it, it made up for whatever lack of NBA talent might've been elsewhere on the roster. Having 
grown ass men was a, a big advantage. Back to this draft class, Memphis. If Precious Achua goes to the lottery, they will be the only school to have two lottery picks, right? That, uh, yeah, right. Think so. I think so. Yeah, I don't. I, there's no one else that's out there that's uh, that's flirting with two. Um, all right, I'll put a bow on it. My point with with Wiseman and all this was this. Um, when you reference Achua wasn't nuts about playing the five, that's that's a that's a major thing with players these days in general. Like coaches, when they'll talk to you like kind of on background, off the record, like when their players aren't in the room, so to speak, they'll be like, these players get obsessed with like, I'm a three, I'm not a four. I'm a four, right. I'm not a five. I'm a two, I'm not a three. Like they get really, uh, really protective about that. And meanwhile, like the coaches know what they're doing and like how they'll scheme in the offense. Like sometimes they'll be like, for all intents and purposes, like when the NBA guys are evaluating, they see how we're using them and how they can translate there. And even that being said, like even if Achua didn't want to play the five, he did embrace it, and because he did, and because Wiseman wasn't there, he's benefited. He's undoubtedly if if Wiseman had stayed and played an entire season, whether it's with or without the suspension, call it what you want, thirty-one games or twenty games, whatever. I guarantee you, Achua would not be a top twenty pick because Wiseman. We saw what he would have been. He would have been a stat monster. I think Achua could have been a first-round pick. I just don't think he would have been nearly as high. He was able to produce and show how reliable and productive he was without Wiseman there. So it actually weirdly benefited his career and, frankly, the paychecks he's going to make starting in a few weeks here because of the decision Wiseman made. He probably hated it that Wiseman quit the team, but ultimately he is going to personally benefit, at least in the short term, with where he gets drafted. Obviously, the higher you go, the more money you make, and uh, and so he should be thankful. I'm sure he is, but he should be thankful for that because it kind of went away that no one could have expected, and here we are talking him on, on a, a draft profile podcast. He could be a lotto pick. Too often, prospects think, I've got to show these NBA people what I can do. And when you attempt to do that, you ultimately, more often than not, unless you're like Kevin Durant, you show them what you can't do. And that's where I think Precious benefited most from from Wiseman quitting the team. It, like, listen, Memphis would have been better with James Wiseman, would have been awesome, I think, with James Wiseman. I think James Wiseman would have been right there with Obi Toppin and Luka Garza for National Player of the Year. Like, I, as much as I have questioned Wiseman's decision to leave the program, I have never questioned the ability or the impact that he would have had on college basketball. He would have been awesome. They would have been awesome. But if Wiseman would have been the five, Precious would have been more in a position to regularly show NBA NBA people what he can't do yet, which is reliably play on the perimeter, reliably knock down those shots, forced closer to the rim. He just went out and was physically overwhelming, uh, dominant even. And I, I think he he helped himself tremendously from, from both a production perspective, sure, but also from an NBA draft perspective. If you're looking for the main thing that comes up as a possible negative, in addition to, you know, what is he going to be on the offensive end? It's like, does he have a, a great feel for the game. You know, he, he finished the season with 30 assists and 87 turnovers. Now, everybody on the Memphis team turned the ball over. Memphis just gave the ball away possession after possession, but he was a big part of that. So does he have a great feel for the game? No, he actually does. The answer is no. But can that improve enough to where, you know, in a in a league where there's real value on guys who can dribble, pass, and shoot, um, you know, can he improve enough to be somebody that, you label that way eventually. Hey, you, you know, he can bounce it a little. He can shoot it a little. Um, he can pass it and not give the ball away. Um, in college, that while he was tremendously productive, he did, you know, he had 87 
turnovers in uh you know and just 30 assists and you know that's that's a number that that jumps off the page as well shouts to Devin downey shouts to chester south carolina shouts to terry mf and teagle legend shouts to larnell thank you guys for listening once again uh to the ion college basketball podcast in the middle of a pandemic if you're not subscribed already please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts including apple Podcasts. i'd appreciate it i know norlander would too please go do that and uh we'll talk to you again tomorrow till then Take care.